Macaria, uh, Mycia, all of these different regions of the Roman Empire of that day. The Holy Ghost was saying to Paul and to Silas, which is who we're reading about here, the Holy Ghost was telling them, it's not time yet to go into Asia. God said, just keep on moving. Don't go into Asia. Let's keep on moving. So in verse 7, it says that after they were come to Mycenae, they essayed to go up into Bithynia. But the Spirit suffered them not. Again, Paul is being told by God, do not go into this region of Bithynia. He's telling Silas, don't go there. Right now, you're needed somewhere else. And they, passing by Mycenae, came down to Troas. Now, Troas was a coastal city in Mycenae. And I want you to see what happens while they're there in Troas. In verse number 9, it says that a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. So with... The help of the Lord here today, I just want to preach this message, everyday missionaries. Everyday missionaries. See, it's on this second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul that he and his new partner in ministry, Silas, they were traversing through these cities of Asia Minor. They began their journey from the city of Antioch in Syria in this dynamic duo, they headed northward across a mountain range. They ministered to some small, already established churches that were there in Tarsus, which was the hometown of Paul, and some other cities that were there in Syria and Cilicia. And while preaching in Derby, Paul and Silas met a young man who was already on fire for God. This young man was named Timothy. And so Timothy then joined them for their travels on to Lystra. It was there in Lystra that a riot began among the Jews, and Paul was nearly stoned to death just outside of the city gates. And nevertheless, the small congregation of believers in Derby was strengthened, and growth continued there. So from there, the three of them, Paul and Silas and Timothy, who they had now picked up, Traveled westward, and we come to the text from which we read in Acts chapter 16. Paul was desiring to start some new works. So to this point, he's been going to some already established churches, but he had been commissioned by the church in Jerusalem and in Antioch to go and start some new churches. I want you to go and to traverse some new footpaths, go in some new cities, and we want to see the work of God begin to take place there in these new regions. And so they were going, and the church back home was praying for them. They're interceding for Paul and for Silas, and they're praying, and Paul and Silas and Timothy, they're praying themselves, God, lead us. And they're, they're in, interceding for each new city that they go into. Imagine coming into these large cities where there is no Christian footprint at all. They are the first Christians to come into these areas. And they're coming in and their purpose is to preach Jesus Christ. 
and him crucified. That's all they had to preach. Because then the Spirit did the work from there. And it began to come and it would fill people. They would be filled with the Holy Ghost. And they would be strengthened and they would be transformed. And and churches would begin to sprout up wherever Paul and Silas were going. And our text is telling us that they had then traveled through the province of Galatia. They've gone through Phrygia and then onward to Asia. But while he was there in Asia, it says that the Holy Ghost forbade him from sharing the gospel. It wasn't time yet for these people to receive the word in Asia. And so Paul, seeking the will of God, desired to go northward into Bithynia, but again, the Holy Ghost forbade him. So they settled there in this city of Troas. Now, I just want you to stop for just a moment Because I want you to grasp this picture. What frustration Paul must have felt. Here he was. The gospel being preached was his sole purpose of going into these cities. That was, I mean, this was not like our, uh, like a a travel or us just getting in a car and and going across country. For him, the travel was much more difficult than it would be for us today. And he's traveling onward into these cities and, and going, and he has uh, a path that's, that's established for him of, you know, I'm going to go here, and then, and then I'm going to go into this next big city, and we're going to try to reach them with the gospel, and we're going to see what God can do there, and then we're going to go on to Bithynia, and there's a big cities there in Bithynia, and, and then all, you know, and then everything gets stopped. I don't know if you've ever been there before. In your life where it's like you just want to do something good for God and it feels like you just keep coming up against roadblocks. Anybody ever been there before? You're like, you're just trying, God, I just want to do something good. And it's like roadblock after roadblock. And here's the thing. When roadblocks come up, there's two things, two possibilities of what they could be. It could be the enemy setting up a roadblock or it could be God setting up a roadblock. Now, how do you discern which one it is that set up the roadblock? Well, if you're filled with the Spirit, all you have to do is to turn to God in prayer and say, God, help me to discern what this is. Why are these roadblocks coming up in my life when I'm trying to do something good? Is it you or is this the enemy trying to stop me from doing what is good? God will lead you. If if you don't get an answer, pray again. If you don't know why it is that you're being stopped, pray again. If you still don't know, get somebody else with you and let's pray together. God, why am I feeling these frustrations? Why am I not seeing progress in the things that I'm trying to do that are good, that are kingdom establishing things? And why is it that I'm not seeing the fruit of my labor? And why is it that I am keep coming against these frustrating things? And that sometimes what God will reveal is it's time to press on. It's time to keep going against these roadblocks and I know it's frustrating but you're gonna win because the enemy set this up but the enemy he may be the prince of this territory but I'm the king and we're gonna come in you by my side and we're royalty we're gonna march through the barrier and we're gonna see God at work and I believe that God is able to to come through anything that the enemy would try to set up and yet we sometimes get scared off by it 
We're like, I'm tired of the frustration. I'm just going to give up. And that's okay if it's God that set up the roadblock because there are times where God sets up roadblocks and God says, it's not time yet, but I do have another door for you. I do have an area that is ready. And that's where God, that's where we turn to God in prayer and we say, God, help me to discern. Is, is this frustration coming from you or is this coming from the enemy? If it's come from the enemy, God, then I want to keep on working and I want to keep on trying to, to do good things here and where you've, where you've established me. But God, if it's you, then lead me to the place where I'm going to see the fruit grow. And so, that's what Paul did. He, he prayed. Him and his crew, they, they began to pray. And it says that the Spirit was leading them. We were just talking about this. If you were in here in our first session today, that, that the Spirit of God will lead us. It will guide us. It, 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 it will, will bring you into the places that you need to go if you are listening to the Spirit of God. And so here they are. They are being led by God. To uh, beyond uh, Asia, beyond Bithynia. And now here they are in Troas. And it says when they get to Troas, that they begin to, uh, that Paul, he has a vision of a man. This man is there in his vision, in this dream that Paul has. And he says, come on over to Macedonia. I want you to come to Macedonia. And, and as he's, he's, he's having this vision, he begins to see this revival that can take place in Macedonia. So, so he gets up from this dream and this, this vision that he has. And he goes into this place. He knows this is God speaking. This is why God's been shutting these doors. So he goes into Macedonia and they are there. The, que- or the, the cry out from this man was to come to Macedonia and help us. Now, who is this man in Paul's vision? I don't know. The scripture doesn't tell us for sure who the man is. Some would say the evidence points to the very man that would end up writing the book of Acts. That Dr. Luke was, he was not one of the original 12 disciples of Jesus, but rather he was an acquaintance of Paul. Paul met uh, met Luke as somewhere along his journeys and you know the, he was a convert to the Christian faith that Luke he likely came from that region of Macedonia but whether or not this man in his dream was Luke I can't be certain of that but this I do know that there was a man or a voice that was crying out from that place and God was calling him calling uh, Paul and he was calling Silas to come over and to respond to the need that's here in Macedonia so here's what I really want to tell you about today is three people that God is calling you to. Or three groups of people that God is calling you to. Because there were three different kinds of people that Paul met while he was there in Macedonia. Three people who were changed because Paul heard that cry for help. And he said, I will go. I will respond to the call of God. These three people that were in vastly different stages in their relationship with God. And so upon entering the city of Macedonia, the capital city of Macedonia, the first thing that Paul did was he began to seek for the people who were already hungry for God. He wanted to know, where is it that there is, or where can I find somebody who already has a hunger and desire for God? And so he goes and he searches for a, a temple that is there. That's usually where Paul would go, but he can't find a temple. There was no temple in the city of Philippi, which is the capital city of Macedonia. And so he goes down instead to the, the next 
uh, most common place where people uh, who are searching for God would gather. And that was by the seaside or by uh, the riverbank. Uh, just outside of the city. He hears that this is where the God-fearers, the people who uh, they, they have a hunger for God, are gathering. And so it tells us in verse 13 of Acts chapter 16, it says that on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and we spake to the women which resorted there. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us whose heart the, the Lord opened, and she attended unto the things which are spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, then come to my house and abide there. And so she constrained us. See, the first group of people that God will lead you to are those who are ready to receive the word of God right now. If you want to be an everyday missionary, which I believe that God has called us to be as mission-minded people, that every one of us were made for mission, you were not just placed on this earth just to go about your own desire, go, go to pursue your own desires, but we are made to pursue the desires of God. We were made for the mission that God has placed us here on this earth for, which is that we would make heaven and that we would take as many there with us as possible. That's the mission. God, I I don't want to make it alone. I want my family to be there with me. I want my friends to be there with me. I want everybody I know to be around the throne rejoicing with me. God, I don't want anybody to be lost. I know that it says that hell's gates are wide and there's going to be many that will be there. But I don't want it to be for my because of me. I don't want heaven to be swallowing up those that I came in contact with. I was made for mission. I was made to have an impact on those around me. God, I want to live on mission. And so let's be everyday missionaries. And as everyday missionaries, God will lead you and he will guide you. And the first people that that God will lead you to are those who are ready to receive his word right now. They've already been primed. God was already working on their hearts. They're already somebody there that when you say repent and be baptized, they say, here I am. I'm ready. I've just been waiting for the instruction. I've just been waiting for somebody to tell me what to do. That's what Lydia and her household, they're the first people recorded as being baptized in the entire continent of Europe. This was the beginning of something new that God was starting. She was the first fruits of this revival, this this political and religious landscape that, unlike anything that we've ever seen, it's going to shape this 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 whole region. It's going to take over this revival. It's going to take place. And here's the very beginning of it with this woman Lydia, where Paul reaches her, somebody who's hungry for God, been searching for God. But here's what I want you to know: that there is somebody right now in your workplace. There's somebody right now in your neighborhood. Somebody who is in your high school, somebody that's in your city, somebody that's in the coffee shop that you visit, somebody that has been praying for more. There's Perhaps there's even somebody right now that is sitting in a worship service that they attend, a place that they call home, and they have sat there silently in that worship service just praying to God, is there something more for me? 
God, is there something more? God, I desire something that's deeper, a deeper experience with you. My soul is hungry for something more. Come on, can I just tell you that there is somebody who would call themselves a Christian, but their soul is dry right now, and they're desiring something more, and you have what they desire. You have the very thing that they're saying, I want something that would make my soul leap. I want something that would make me feel alive. I know that this 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 walk with God, it shouldn't just be something that is out of obedience and out of just 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 following the rules but I know it's about something deep down inside me that my soul cries out for that can fulfill every desire in me that's what I want when there's somebody right now can I just plead with you today to be the voice of God for that person when they're there they're waiting for you they're seeking something more and you have it Church, you have what they are seeking. You have what they are seeking. The Spirit of God is available. The Spirit of God is ready to be poured out on all those who would seek Him. I know of those right now, it doesn't matter. We may call ourselves apostolic Pentecostal, but this is for the Baptist. This is for the Presbyterian. This is for, come on, this is for the Lutheran. This is for the Catholic. This is for the Muslim. This is for anybody who would cry out and say, God, I I want more. I want your spirit. I know that you're real. God, can I have it? It's not about, it's not about the denomination. It's about a soul that's crying out. It's saying, God, I want more. Come on, this, the word of God is, is true when it says that this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And this is that which is going to be poured out on your sons and your daughters from generation to generation to generation. And yet today, we still have access to the spirit of God and it's being poured out today. On Jesus, he told the disciples that they would receive power after the Holy Ghost came upon them. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost here today, you have that energizing power. You have the most effective source of power on this planet. So go and share that with somebody else. Don't keep that for yourself. Go and share it. Go and tell somebody about what the Holy Ghost has done for you. Go and tell them about the transformation that God has done in your life. Go and tell them about him and my church. We experienced it just like they did in the book of Acts. In my home, I experienced it just like they did in that prayer meeting way back in Acts chapter 2. Where all of a sudden the sound of of heaven just came rushing in. And they began to speak in tongues. And they were filled with the Spirit. Come on, I experienced it just like that. You don't have to be ashamed of it, church. You don't have to be ashamed of what God is doing in your life. Don't hold it to yourselves. Let's tell somebody about this wonderful thing that is the Holy Ghost. That can transform your life and change your life. Tell somebody about it. Let's be a missionary. Let's live on mission. I don't want this just to be something that's shared just inside these four walls. This ought to be something that we share wherever we go. Every day, missionaries. I want to do this every day. Every day, I wake up and say, God, lead me to somebody to tell them. I want to tell my story. I want to tell them about what God has done in my life. I want to tell them about how he's still transforming me and the spirit is leading me and guiding me. Well, it doesn't have to be some 
crazy, wild stories. It could just be about the peace that you have when you go home. I used to have a hectic home. Yeah, you could tell them, you know, I used to have a hectic home. But when, the, when I turned my life over to God, everything began to come in place. And there is, it's no longer hectic there. But rather, I feel peace when I enter into my house. Well, we have stories of, of what God has done and the healings that he's, he's done. And that's all because God is still alive and he's working today. You can tell them about a healing that's taken place in your life. You can tell them about the, in the middle of a, a circumstance where you should have uh, been going crazy and you should have been, you know, so worried and in fear that God gave you peace through it. Mm. Well, that's the spirit of God. You have stories to tell, church. You have stories to tell. You are made for mission. You're an everyday missionary. Everywhere you go, let's tell somebody about it. There's those right now that are seeking and asking and saying, praying to God, Lord, send somebody my way. Send somebody my way. This is the Lydia that Paul ran into. This is the Lydia. There's, there's Lydia's out there that are saying, send somebody my way. Come on, send somebody my way. Send them. Send them. And she's been praying at the riverbank. God, just send somebody. And she's praying. And then as soon as Paul comes, she says, this is that that I've been waiting for. This is the thing. I knew that there was somebody that could tell me about something greater. And, and Lydia, she is baptized and filled with the Spirit. But the second person. The second person that Paul encounters on the outside looks a lot like the first. This is the young girl who began to follow Paul and Silas around the city. She's yelling for everybody uh, to hear. These men are the servants of the Most High God. They show us the way of salvation. Day after day she was doing this. And you would think that Paul and Silas would be thankful for her endorsement of this young, for the endorsement of this young girl. But there was something else that was going on there. There was something dark. Something evil in Paul, he sensed it. He was discerning of the spirit that was in this young girl. And he knew that the spirit uh, that possessed her was a mocking spirit. She was mocking the work that they were doing. It was not of God. She was mocking their ministry. She was mocking the work that they were trying to accomplish in Philippi. So after a few days of her following them around, Paul, he finally Sick of hearing uh, what she was saying, turned and turned to her and he said, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. He spoke to that evil spirit which was possessing her and he cast it out of this young girl. Immediately, immediately she was set free from the bondage that she was in. See, we as the church of the living God cannot simply be a church on the lookout for those who are ready to receive this gospel. We can't simply be opening our doors to those who are hungry for God and wanting a deeper uh, relationship with Him. But we must also minister to those who right now in this very moment are fighting against the advancement of the church. See, the fact is... If we do not have anyone who's giving us fits in the church, then we must not being do, we must not be doing enough to stir up the, 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 the enemy to come against us. If there's nobody that's trying to come against you in your life, then you're probably really not doing all that God has called you to do. This is a sign that you've been idle for too long. But he starts getting worried about a church that's in motion. He starts getting worried about a church that says standing still is not an option. 
We must go. We're not just standing still any longer. We're not just here accepting people who would come in. Who are ready to receive. Who are in a place where they say God I need more. And they step into this building. But instead it's a church that gets out of this place. And they start going on the move. And they say I'm an everyday missionary. And I'm going to reach everybody. And with the gospel. And I'm going to tell everybody about my story. And I'm going to tell everybody about what God's doing. And there's somebody that's there and they're saying, oh, I don't believe any of that. And they're, they, they don't believe that. And they're, they're even bound in themselves. They're bound by things. And, and because of that, they, they, they're not receptive to it. But all of a sudden, you begin to tell them about the transformation power of Jesus Christ. And something begins to happen. And there's power that you have. And you can begin to speak to somebody. And you can see transformation happen in somebody who they were once bound. And they were once against everything that you would do and I believe that there's probably somebody here today who you never would have thought that you would be sitting here right now but if it wasn't for the Lord you wouldn't be here because you were against the church at one point but God got a hold of your life and he turned you around and he began you on a new path and there's somebody here today who has a testimony that they can say that I was that girl that I was bound but somebody came and God got a hold of me and let me tell you that Jesus is real and he changed my life come on there's somebody else who has that same story in their future and you're the one that God is telling you to go go to them pray for them come on Paul was the chief combatant of the church in the early days and look what he did he was wreaking havoc everywhere that he went he was wreaking havoc everywhere that he went so because of that Paul Ends up getting thrown into prison. Paul and Silas are thrown into prison in Philippi. For preaching the gospel. They were stirring up some trouble. The trouble they were stirring up was just. The people getting all upset about this new gospel. That's coming into the town. And the Jews don't like it. And they don't want to receive it. And so they throw them into prison. And while they're there. What do Paul and Silas begin to do? They begin to pray. And at midnight, all of a sudden, something begins to happen when they begin to sing and they begin to pray. And then that prayer meeting at midnight, all of a sudden an earthquake comes and it takes off every one of their shackles. And it says that every one of their jail cells opened up. Let me tell you, come on, prayer doesn't have to just change and set you free. But it can set those around you free from their addictions and their sins and the things that they're doing. And you can, your deliverance can have an effect on somebody else. And your prayer can have an effect on somebody else. And they were all delivered that night. They were all delivered. But he comes out. And as he comes out from that jail cell, it says that the Philippian jailer who was, uh, who was in charge of keeping them, he was in fear. Because it was his responsibility to keep those who were in that jail locked up. And if they found out, if the authorities found out in the morning that that jail was empty, then his life was going to be taken from him. And he thought... Instead of letting them do it, how about I just do it myself? And so he had his sword drawn and he was about ready to pierce it through his, through himself. And when Paul came to him and he says, put down your sword. We're all here. Put down that sword right now and let me tell you about what just happened. Because you didn't do anything wrong. 
Let me tell you about the God that just set us free. And he found somebody who in that place was in a was in a most desperate situation in their life, in a place where they thought, I might as well just end it right now. Well, there's people all around you right now that are in this place of desperation. That they are in a place where they say, I don't know how I could even go any further. I don't know how I can press on from here. But then God puts you in their path and he says, just tell them your story. Tell them what I just did. Tell them what I'm doing. Tell them that I'm able to set them free from where they're at. And I'm able to get them on a path that is no longer hopeless, but it's full of hope and it's full of light. And Paul began to tell them, this is in Acts chapter 16, verse 29. It says that he called for a light and he sprang in. And he came trembling and he fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in the house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and they washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all of his straightway. Here's a man who is at the point of suicide. And then Paul spoke some words of hope into his life, and he gave him a reason to live. Somebody cried out for Paul when he was back in Troas that was saying, come over to Macedonia. Help us. I want you to know that we're here. I want you to know that we're here. That individual whose life is falling apart, who will be there for them? Who's going to be God's voice in, this, in their time of desperation. The person right now who is, who is fighting a mental battle every day. Who can hardly even get themselves out of bed. For fear of what that day is going to bring. Who is going to be the voice that says. Come and help us. And there's somebody in Macedonia saying come over and help us. There's somebody in Kinderville today who's saying come over and help us. There's somebody in Ligonier right now who's saying, come over and help us. There's somebody in Albion right now saying, come over and help us. There's somebody in Huntertown and in Fort Wayne and New Haven that's saying, come over and help us. There's somebody in Auburn and Garrett. There's somebody in Angola right now saying, come over and help us. Come on, you are the person who God is calling to come. Will you help us? Will you help us? Here we are right now. We need your help. Do you realize that there are current Currently, over seven and a half billion people in the world. Those who calculate such numbers would tell you that that seven and a half billion is a conservative estimate of the number of people that are in this world. Furthermore, there are over 320 million people in the United States of America. That's a lot of people. In the great state of Indiana, there are over 6.7 million people who have established their residence here. In our services last Sunday here at New Life Apostolic Church, we had people in attendance from Noble County, Steuben County, LaGrange, DeKalb, Allen Counties, I'm probably missing other counties. Out of those five counties, though, there's a total population of 540,000 people. Where we are at, 
In Noble County, this is the 29th most populated county in the state with 47,532 residents. That's from a couple of years ago, those numbers. The city of Kinderville itself has right around 10,000 people. See, since the beginning of this year, we have had just over 300 or 350 people who have come through these doors. 350 different people who have come through these doors for Sunday and Wednesday services. Some of our highest attendance services have been these past couple of months uh, where we've had, we've had around 130, 140 people who have been here each, each and every Sunday uh, for these past couple of, of, of months. And, and why am I telling you this today? I'm telling you because we're not even close to reaching all those who God has called us to reach. We're not even close. I thank God for every single person who has been here. I thank God for every single one who has sat in this pew and worshiped with us. But we're not even close to making a dent like God really wants us to make a dent in all the people that he has called us to reach. And one person can't do it. Five people can't do it. Ten people can't do it. Just 10% of the church can't do it. We need the whole church to come and to say, here I am. God, sign me up. I'll go where you've called me to go. I'll be an everyday missionary. God, I may not have the right words. I may feel like I don't have the right words to say. But Lord, I'll go and I'll speak as you ask me to speak. And I'll just tell my story and how you changed my life. Come on, that's all God's telling you to do. He's asking you to come. Tell your story. Tell him. Tell others about how Jesus changed their life. Come on, you have Lydia's in your path. You have Lydia's in your path. That they're waiting. They're waiting to hear you have that young girl who she may be resistant right now or they may be resistant to it right now, but God is ready to transform their life and to change it. You have people who are desperate right now. They feel like they can't go any further, but you can step in and give them a little bit of hope and that little bit of hope can get them past this one more day. And one more day is enough for them to say, Jesus, I'm going to give you my all. That's what God's calling us to do. He's calling us to go. We have barely even tapped into the city of Kenderville. And here's what we need to do as a church is this cannot be something that only happens on Sunday or on Wednesday. This has to be every day on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every day of the week. Every day we must go and we put on the the shoes in the morning and we say, I'm going out into my mission field. I'm going into my mission field today. God, send me, help my eyes to be ready. Help my mouth to be ready to speak whatever you would want to speak. God, just use me. Use me in my workplace. Use me in my school. Well, can we stand all around this place right now? There's a Lydia that's somewhere in your workplace. There's there's a Lydia somewhere that you're going to pass cross paths with this week. Thank you. They need you to tell them about the life-changing power of the Holy Ghost. They need to know that their sins can be forgiven. They need to know that all it takes is a heart of repentance. And they come to Him and say, God, I'm sorry for the life that I've lived. Well, there's nobody that's too far from Him. Nobody's made too many mistakes. Second chance, third chance, fourth chance, tenth chance, twelfth chance. It doesn't matter how many chances it's been. God is still extending a hand and saying, come. I'm ready to receive you. 
Come on, that person who, who has hurt you, that person who has stood in your way and, and kind of been a roadblock in your workplace, I want you to pray for them. God, help me to find some way to, to reach that person. God, help me to find some way to, to reach that, that young girl who has resisted this to, to your word right now. God, help me to reach them. God, there's that jailer who God has placed in front of you, who, who somebody has, you know, for some reason their life has, has gone into shambles, and there they are, and they don't see any hope. And will you turn a blind eye to it again, or will you say, God, give me the words to speak. Help me to give them hope. Let me just preach Jesus. Let me just offer them Jesus. And that's enough. Just offer them Jesus today. Well, in this place right now, you may not have that individual that's standing right next to you, but you may have them in your mind right now, and I want you to begin to pray. We're going to begin to pray for those individuals who God has called you to in your workplace. Perhaps they're even in your family. There's somebody that God has called you to as an everyday missionary. God has called you to them. God has called you to disciple them. God has called you to to bring them the truth of this wonderful, life-changing experience that is in the power of the Holy Ghost. Well, if we could, with the arms extended all around this place, and in fact, if you want to make your way up to the front, you're welcome to do so. Just to begin to pray for those who God is, is leading you to as an everyday missionary. Come on, living on mission every day, getting up and saying, God, here I am. Help me to go. Help me to go. Be your voice. Help me to be led by your spirit. God, I pray right now. Come on, because there's somebody who can just pray that prayer that in advance and say, Lord, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, to, to speak the right words so that their life can be changed. Come on, there's somebody who maybe you've already been working on and you just can begin to pray for them right now. Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would receive it. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would be ready this time, this week, when I bring up what you've done, God, when I bring up what my weekend was like. Lord, help them soften their heart. God, I praise you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.